Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio.
bringing you martial arts guests and martial arts talk subjects. Yay, yay, and yay. And I got, I got something else that we got to do next time you're in town. Okay. I got to take you miniature golfing because you suck. <laughs> I might actually be able to meet you. You know, okay, hold on. You got, you got to check out my video because I, in three holes, for th- I forgot what holes they were. Three holes, hole in one. <laughs> it just so happened on my camera, that ball kept going around the hole. Like get right there so and you, go around the hole. You, act, like, you actually fun? had three holes in one? Yeah. Three holes in one. Oh it's, on Lynn's, it's on Lynn's, Lynn's, uh, Lynn's live feed because both of us were on, on live. She was on live for like an hour and a half or something like that. And I'm like, oh, no, oh my, 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 my battery's going to blow up because it like tends to shut my camera down from overheating. <laughs> so much for going live for an hour and a half. I have no idea why my battery decides it wants to overheat like that. But oh, well. Anyhow, so. Our phone number here, folks, is 347-677-0699. Our subject tonight for discussion will be difficult lessons learned in martial arts. So we want to hear from you, our listeners and our fans. We want to hear about your thoughts and stories and and, uh, experiences about some hard-learned lessons that you've learned in martial arts. Could be. Oh, go ahead. Let's talk. I got something to say, though. Let's talk okay. about misunderstandings. Okay. Okay. I okay. thought, and you and I had talked about this, that somebody had a problem with me. Mm-hmm. And I hold this person at the highest level that you can hold a person. I held her always at the highest regard, never said a crass word about her. She, I love this woman, Michelle Monaghan. Right. Because she was, we, we were at the... Uh, uh, William Christopher Ford at the museum last night, and she mm-hmm. was really distant to me, just standoffish. And somebody uh-huh. just commented, "Why was Michelle avoiding you? We had dinner. Uh, David Reed, Lady Reed, and their kid." Uh-huh. I said, "I don't know." And I'm, I'm. Huh. This is upsetting me now because, you know, people in this industry trash talk other people, and that's happened to me. It's happened to the show. It's you know, people just, just are haters sometimes. There's only two right. of them, thank God. So I thought, yeah. well, maybe somebody said I said something that I didn't say. So mm-hmm. I texted Michelle, and she calls me. She didn't text mm-hmm. me back. She picked up the phone and goes, right. dude, I thought you had a problem with me. I said, oh, wow. she said, I thought I did something wrong to you. And I said, no. And she's wow. like, I don't have a problem with you. I love you guys. Are you kidding me? You need me. I'm there. And wow. so we straightened it out. But if one of us hadn't stepped forward and said, what did I do? We right. would have never solved this, pro- this problem that, doesn't, that didn't exist. Exactly. Exactly. And um, that, that's, that's, that's good that you bring that up because lately <clears throat> I've been telling a lot of students that, you know, to to avoid misunderstandings that can turn ugly if you don't say anything um, by being brave enough to to talk to them about it, you know. Like I've got a couple students now that uh, that uh, were having problems with other friends or with other students, and I'm like, well, did you talk to him? Well, no. And I'm like, well, then how do you know that? Blah 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 blah. Right? And uh and 
so they talk it out and everything's cool. It was just, just some weird misunderstanding, just a lot of assuming. And that's what gets people, that's what causes the grief and stuff like that. So, right. but I'm really glad that you guys, you know, worked that out because I was like, well, that's so weird. That's not like, that's not like her. Oh my God. What do we do? You know, that kind of thing. So <laughs> anyway, I, I, I need to talk to her anyway, because I've got, I've, I've, I've had this, um, idea in my head about like a a seminar series uh, that's not taught by just one person but by several and I kind of want to run it by Michelle because it'll be it'll be uh well anyway I'll I'll have to I want to talk to her first before I even make announcements with it and I need to uh, run it by you just to get your take on it uh Uh we'll do that that some other well we'll we'll do that off air anyway So cool. let, me, let me say this again. Our phone number is 347-99. We're going to be talking a little bit later when the phone lines open at about 630 or so about the difficult lessons learned in martial arts. Now, we all know the benefits of martial arts. You know, we, we learn confidence, respect, and self-discipline, and fitness, and all that other good stuff. Uh, but, you know, most importantly, we learn a lot about ourselves. And uh, those lessons are sometimes you know, lessons that we, that we much rather like turn away and cringe from because sometimes, you know, sometimes it's really hard to take a good hard look at ourselves. It's a lot easier to judge others. Right. So we're going to talk a little bit about those kinds of lessons. Um, and we want to hear from you. So give us a call. You can even talk to us about how hard it is to teach some of these life lessons to your own students. So uh, we'll talk about that later. It'll be a fun discussion subject. All right. Well, let's move on. Let's go to birthdays. Who do we have for birthdays there, Sifu Bob, on your end? Well, on my end, we have one of Don Baird's students, a good friend of ours, that has actually loaned us the backdrop stand for our last mm-hmm. two events. Joshua Thank Lieberman, you. his birthday is on the 31st. Uh, Chuck Gonzaga. His birthday is on the 1st. He's a, an old training partner of mine that was studying under the late Ted Lukai Lukai and a friend of of the show as well as they call themselves like the Fab Five. There's these women martial artists that are just fabulous people, models, BJJ enthusiasts, the whole bit. Her name is El, Ella Hotzig. Her birthday is on 9-2. And who do you have? Well, I've just got a few. Um, today, one of my black belts, Robert Steitler, is celebrating his 56th birthday. And I want to tell you a little bit about Robert. When Robert first came to us, um, he couldn't, he literally could not do three push-ups or three sit-ups. That was how out of shape he was. He ate just junk. All he drank was Coca-Cola and Pepsi. He was out of shape. All he did was go to work and come back and that was it and uh three years later he out push-upped and out sit it sit it up <laughs> oh See, my there god I go making up verbs i know there i go making up verbs again but he he was just a, an animal when it came to the push-ups he would just you know pump him out you, you had to tell him to stop and he was considered the old man of the class you know and, you know, to to look at him, you know, people would go, I can take this guy on. Don't ever punch at Robert. Don't ever punch at him. He will kick your ass. Happy 56th birthday there, buddy. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> and uh, tomorrow, 
um, a friend of mine, Mary Hobbs, is having a birthday. And on Tuesday the 30th, Soke Robert Hill, the current headmaster of Butoku Kan Karate, my, my first style, um, is having his birthday on the 30th. An old school chum of mine, Dean Landon, also on the 30th. Another school chum, Rita Wong. And uh, Kajikembo brother, Kevin Cornwell. On the 31st, we've got uh, Facebook friend, Bill Palmer. Uh, you've already said Joshua Lieberman. Thanks again, Josh, for those uh, backdrop stands. I um, want to send a shout out to David and Maggie Bean. They're... Uh, Wait, who's wait? David and Maggie. I don't rem- I don't remember if it's David or Maggie's birthday. <laughs> which which one is it? Um, September first. And I also want to send a shout out to my brother-in-law by marriage, Gary Crum, who's married to my sister Marcy Crum. Friday the second, I've got uh, Master Bob Aubrey, and a Wushu practitioner here in Seattle, Melody Lee. And uh, did you get September 3rd, David Reed, already? I forgot. Yeah, okay. No, I um, did not because I think that's yeah. Sunday, is it? It's Saturday. Or is that Saturday? So, oh, yes. I missed it then. Saturday, September 3rd, David L. Reed, who is the husband of our new photographer uh, on crew for Dynamic Dojo, Lady Lelaine Reed. Also on Saturday the 3rd, Frank Cagnette and I think... That's it for my birthday. So for everyone having a birthday the week of the 28th through the 3rd, this tune is for you. I hope you have a happy birthday, a super extra special day. I want to wish you a happy birthday. May all your dreams come true today. Because you're really one in a million and you mean the world to There's no one sweeter than you to wish a happy birthday to. I hope you have a happy birthday and a truly wonderful year. Filled with all the joy that you deserve and all the things that you hold dear.
happy birthday, everyone. And happy birthday you know, to Lady Colleen. What? So that's still so much reminds me of Sharp Puff and stuff. <laughs> How? I mean, that's a completely different song. HR Puff and stuff. I don't know. So anyway, you, you, you were going to say happy birthday to Lady Lorraine. Well, anyway, yes. We went yes. out to lunch today, and we had like, oh, my God, there was 25, 30 people there. You know, we had cool Alan that? Woodman, Kung Fu Cowboy, Mitch Sh- Shimmer. We had Don Baird, me, J- Jenny was joining us. Uh, we had 13 people there from Germany that she knew from when Germany. she studied in Germany. Wow. It, it was huge. It was, it was a great day. And, you know, you had a Wong on your birthday list, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. Did you know, you know, when you climb to, uh, to the top of a high peak on a mountain, when you yell a couple seconds later, it will revert back to you. So if you yelled yeah. Wong, did you know, honest to God, did you know that there is a, a peak in China that is so high that when you yell out long, it comes back 10 seconds later. And, and, but instead of saying long, it says, which long you want. <laughs> Should you laugh at this? <laughs> I have no idea why I'm laughing so hard at this. <laughs> you know, I I hate it when he throws these jokes out there that I don't know about and I don't see him coming. <laughs> I didn't think about it until you said "wrong." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh, that, that gets another shot. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Anyway, let's move on to events and announcements. Uh, What do we we got going on your end there, Sifu Bob? Well, last (laughs) night was great. uh, I I saw some great people last night at uh, at, uh, William Christopher Ford Day at the museum. You know, Will, I love William Christopher Ford. He's a great guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw Michelle Manu, uh, America's... uh, I can't even remember his last name. I see him all the time. My <laughs> wife is going for years. Uh, we saw a lot of good people today. Of course, Lady Lings. You know, we had Don Reed, Joyce Lou. We had a bunch of people there. It was great. Uh, two weeks from today, my wife and I and the Reeds are going to see, for the first time, the world premiere of Paying Mr. McGetty. Woo! At the Burbank AMC 16 Theater. Tickets are available online for the Burbank Film Festival. Just Google Burbank Film Festival. The page will come up. Click on Paying Mr. McGetty. Find tickets. And they're $15 a piece. And it's starring R. Marcus Taylor, Anita Clay, Don the Dragon Wilson, among others. Uh, it was directed by the same director from the martial arts kid, uh, Michael Bumgarten, produced by James Wilson. It was also produced by Dr. Robert Goldman. Uh, and I can't wait to see it. it it's going to be a, hopefully another good movie. Very cool. Of course, Very we cool. also have in October, you're coming out of retirement. And I saw uh, Angie Abad and uh, Jason Mencia last night. They're hosting 
gathering a champion in, in mm-hmm. October in, in Torrance with the Torrance Marriott. Yep, October 15th. Uh, let me see if I can pull up the other information here. Uh, oh, sorry. Somebody like tried, somebody tried to like message me and covered everything. <laughs> I thought uh, that yes, was okay. me for a second. I had heard No, that me. was me. That was me. Bing. All right. Saturday, October 15th, starting at 8.30 a.m. at the Torrance Marriott, Redondo Beach, 3635 Fashion Way in Torrance. And uh, this is their first tournament that they are sanctioning and and hosting. And um, so come on out. If you're in the California area, you know, travel, travel to Torrance, support, support these two wonderful martial artists, because in throughout their whole martial art life, I know for a fact they've been supportive of the martial arts community. So, um, so you're going, I'm going, I kind of have to go. <laughs> um, our friend Rick Bear is going, um, Neil Harden is going, Elaine Yamano, Carl Van Meter says he's going, Humberto David de Jesus. There's, uh, so far, 90 people have responded. Uh, 68 are interested in going, uh, but you know how it is. You don't. It's it's hard to see these these uh, uh, event invitations sometimes. So you know you can look at an event invitation on Facebook and then find out that there's like 120, 150 more people coming. You never know. So <clears throat> I'm looking forward to to this. So uh, it'll be it'll be really fun. So yeah, um, there's another tournament that's a little bit sooner. It's going to be a little more local here in Seattle. And this is the City of Destiny Classic. It's going to be held on September 10th, and it's going to be at Pacific Lutheran University in the uh, gymnasium there. Um, and uh, to get information on how to register, you want to go to cityofdestinyclassic.com. And uh, it's touted as... Uh, the Northwest's best martial arts tournament, open to all styles, ages, and abilities, forms, weapons, sparring, and hyper games. Um, 11 grand championships for black belts and under black belts. Um, there's also going to be an award for the most supportive school, plus 20% cash award based on the total paid entry fee. So it's a, it's a great tournament. They've got, you know, <clears throat> all sorts of, um, all sorts of kumite. Uh, they've uh, they've added flag sparring for the kiddos and stuff like that. Um, and then there's regular point sparring and semi-contact. And I have no idea what the hyper games are. I'm assuming that it's you know, a, a, a related to like uh, extreme martial arts or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> all I know is I'm going to be judging forms <clears throat> forms and kumite. I don't know what hyper games are, but I'm looking forward to finding out. All right, other other events here are let me get my calendar up here. Um the 16th of September. This is going to be in Florida. It's the International Wushu Kung Fu Championships in Miami. And let me get some information here. Uh, there oh here we go i'm like where's the information (laughs) i know there's some information there is no information oh here we go um the international wushu kung fu association is inviting you to its first international championship of chinese martial arts this event will take place in miami the event will take place um during the weekend of the 16th 17th and 18th and will feature taolu 
forms <clears throat> in pretty much all the contemporary wushu categories, Changchuan, Nanchuan, Daoshu, Jianshu, um, everything. There's also going to be um, a Tai Chi, or the, the, there's also going to be a category called Exhibition Tai Chi, which includes um, the remaining styles of Tai Chi that, um, that aren't so popular, you know, like Yang style, Chen style, Wu style, and Sun style are pretty popular, but other styles of um, Tai Chi will be uh, exhibited during the exhibition category. So <clears throat> let's see, registration, um, early registration is over. So, um, and that, because that ended um, May 15th. So, however, if you register now, until September 15th, a single event will be $45, and each additional event will be $20. And that's going on until September 15th. Um, um, it's a different fee if you have group sets, if you have like group forms and stuff like that. It's $85 for the whole group um, registration now. It used to be 45 if you did the early registration, but now it's 85 until September 15th. If you're registering for um, doilian or fighting sets, it's uh, $45 until September 15th. And, uh, and I think, yeah, and I think that's it. There's, that's it. That no more. You don't get to register at the door, I don't think, because um, that's problematic when you register at the door for these big events. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So September 16th in Miami, Florida, you want to look up the International Wushu Kung Fu Championship Miami, September 16th, if you're on Facebook, because it gives <clears throat> it gives no venue. So you might want to look that up yourself and see about getting contact information about that. All right. I think I have one more here. And let's see here. Nope, that's it. <laughs> I think that's it. All right. Very cool. Okay. Well, I guess we get to move on. I guess uh, unless you have any other announcements, I guess it's time to move on to health news. Right, we have some people calling in right now. Please sit tight. We will open the phone lines after this first segment. We are running about 10 minutes behind, so we'll open the phone lines at about 6.35 or so. So hang tight, anyone, everyone. And uh, if you do call, please make sure you press 1, so that way Bob and I know that you would like to talk with us live here on the air. All right. <clears throat> now, for, for people that have been reading my timeline today, I posted something about the plant purslane and a lot of people tend to look at purslane as a weed <laughs> right but and you know and and i know i've seen it and i know i've you know pulled it out because i just didn't recognize it in its you know growing form i've only seen it like sitting on my kitchen counter when i was a kid <laughs> so <clears throat> because my my parents uh used purslane a lot in cooking. Um, it's actually, it's, it's actually a very good food vegetable. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it falls within the uh, category of succulent in the plant world. Uh, but we used to call it olasiman and we didn't know it as purslane. So when I looked at this picture of purslane on the internet earlier, I'm like, wait a minute, that's olasiman. Hold on. And, uh, 
we were taught as kids that it was very healthy for you. And it grew like wildfire in our backyard. Um, now, because, uh, because of its health benefits, I wanted to do today's health uh, tips on purslane. All right, here we go. Um, it's tasty. It's got a little bit of kind of like a lemony aftertaste, but it's spinach. So imagine spinach or um, uh, what's the other, what's that other uh, leafy green that people make sandwich, oh, watercress. So it's kind of a cross between like spinach, kind of watercressy, that kind of thing. And it's easy to grow. It'll grow anywhere. But the important part about purslane is that it's chock full of omega-3 fatty acids and, and vitamin C and stuff like that. <clears throat> and uh, a, lot of, a lot of gardeners will say that uh, they'll rarely hear about anyone not buying it after they try it. It's, it's that good. Now, let, let me tell you guys a little bit about Olasimon or purslane. It's, um, it's kind of crunchy um, unless you cook it, right? And uh, it, like I said, it has kind of a lemony aftertaste. And some people will kind of liken it to like spinach or watercress uh, or stuff like that. And you can use purslane as a substitute for spinach in many recipes. Uh, you can actually use the, the, the young raw leaves and stems because they're, they're tender. And you can actually put them in salads and sandwiches, kind of like watercress sandwiches and stuff. You can also cook them uh, steamed or throw them in stir fries or, or stew. However, <clears throat> purslane has a lot of, oh, what's that? What's that, what's that stuff called that, that's in like jello that makes it firm up a little bit? Um, pectin. It's got the, it's got a lot of pectin in it. So if you want to thicken your soup or stew, you just throw them in there and, and kind of overcook them because they'll, they'll kind of get gelatinous, kind of like okra if you kind of overcook it. Um, but you can use it all sorts of ways. You can chop it up and sprinkle it in salads. You can chop it up and sprinkle it over stuff, kind of like chives. You can even make pesto out of it, folks. Just throw some basil and, and purslane, you know, stems and all into your uh, food processor, throw in your olive oil, garlic, and pine nuts, and a little bit of hot water, and you've got awesome pesto. Um, now, other than omega-3 fatty acids, um, there's also a lot of vitamin E in it. And uh, I'm looking up the vitamin E here. Uh, here we go. Purslane provides six times more vitamin E than spinach, and seven times more beta carotene than carrots. It's also rich in vitamin C, magnesium, uh, riboflavin, uh, potassium, and phosphorus. So, and of course, omega-3s. So go find it, folks. Now, if you have a hard time finding it, I suggest going to any uh, big Asian store and you'll find it. They'll either call it Olasiman or they'll, uh, I don't know what the Chinese name is for it. Um, but, uh, look up pictures of purslane. If you don't know what it looks like, go to, do a, go to an Asian store, find it, use it. It's awesome. My parents cooked with it a lot when I was a kid. It is good and it's good for you. So there you go. There's my health tip. Go check out purslane. Cool. What we Filipinos know as Olasiman. All right. So I guess with uh, all that, we get to go to some other fun stuff. Let's go to the weird news. Weird news. 
Now, I'm not going to read the title because this is actually pretty funny. Okay. Uh, a minor league baseball player in Southern Illinois hit a grand slam only to find out that the ball smashed the windshield of his own truck. <laughs> no way. Oh, my yes. gosh. The Whoa. Gateway Grizzlies in Illinois say Brandon Thomas hit the homer during Sunday's game against the Joliet Slammers. Oh, the Joliet Slammers. <laughs> it's pretty funny because they're Joliet's a prison. Right. The 25-year-old outfielder sent the ball sailing into the parking lot where his 2008 black Toyota Tundra was parked. Thomas says he didn't realize what happened until the players in the dugout were laughing a couple of innings later and told him. Thomas said <laughs> after the game, he went out there and saw the damage that he had done. He says the truck was parked 60 feet behind the field wall. Thomas says a couple wow. of people have, have offered to fix his windshield for him. <laughs> oh, can you? What are the odds of that, man? You know, you hit I know, a ball you out hit of the, the grand slam, yeah, and hit your own car. Yeah, sixty feet beyond the wall. Go figure. And what are the odds? That's just so weird. All right, <laughs> so weird, man. All right, and let's move on to the entertainment news. All right. Yeah. I really, I really feel sorry for these people. It, it tugged on a hard string, I must say. Did mm. you know Charlie Sheen is in such financial trouble? His oh, what else is I know. Well, that's, that's usually – you don't hear about being in financial trouble, though. Typically. Yeah, typically. His ex-wives but... have agreed to slice their child support payments in half for fear if he goes to court the payments would get would be reduced to next to nothing. Wow. Sources huh. familiar with the situation tell TMZ that both Brooke Mueller and Denise Richards have agreed to around $25,000 a month. They were each getting $55,000 a month. Wow. So told Charlie is now taking next to nothing which is shocking given his previous earning power with two and a half men in anger management. Our sources say Brooke and Denise both knew if Charlie went to court for a reduction in support, a judge would drop the payments to 10000 a month or maybe even lower. Wow. Wait, they call that next to nothing? Yeah, that's <laughs> their next to nothing figure is 10 really? grand a month. Holy crap. That's okay, $120,000 a year in child support. I know, ten k right? a month. Oh, my gosh. And, and now they're, he, he's, he's paying them like $250,000 a year. Before, he was paying them six hundred grand a year each. Wow. For child support. Okay, you know, I mean, so <laughs> they've, they've both agreed to twenty five k a month. Right. Twenty-five thousand right. dollars, folks. Twenty-five thousand dollars. That could pay the mortgage of the house that I'm in now. <laughs> it could just. It could buy out the house. We could. We could pay off this house. Like. But do, like, do you yeah, also you, know that there are a number of people, Rusty, that don't even make that in a year? I know. I sure don't. 
<laughs> I mean, and they were also told. Well, they were also told that Charlie is is throwing in some real estate for Brooke and Denise, and committed to doing a show with Denise. They're also huh. told Charlie is liquidating his assets because he's he's facing a slew of legal claims. I have a feeling huh. he's being sued by a crap load of women that he may have infected. Yeah, <laughs> infected. <laughs> I have that like... feeling. When, he, when, when his <laughs> HIV test came out positive, I'm sure there were a lot of women that came forward. I had oh, sex with Charlie too. Yeah, you know, I forgot about his. I forgot about his standing in that. I, when you said infected, I thought you meant impregnated. No, and, no, uh, infected with the virus. Yeah, I completely forgot that he was HIV positive. Completely. Um, and yeah, if he's getting sued, I feel sorry for his sorry ass. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Charlie. <laughs> That's too bad. Wow. Okay, so that's enough about us complaining about about ex-wives getting $25,000 a month when some of us don't even make that in a year. <laughs> Come on oh, now. That's, that's not even, that probably doesn't count for, for spousal support. Right. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's anyway, that's. That's that's crazy. All right. Well, we've got a couple people on the line. So area code 562 and 937, please hang on. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to start talking a little bit about our uh, about difficult lessons that we've learned in martial arts. And we want to hear from our listeners also. So give us a call, 347-677-0699. So don't go away, folks. We'll be right back after this. As soon as I find, <laughs> I don't know what I did with our break. Oh, here we go. If you own go. a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Dear parents, much of what we learn in this world comes directly from you. Whatever your message is, it will become part of us forever. Please teach us to accept one another. Teach us to respect one another. Please, do not fill our minds with hatred. Do not expose us to bigotry. Do not teach us to judge each other by race, religion, orientation, or the color of our skin. Teach us the concept of tolerance. Teach us to understand one another. Teach us to accept people of different cultures and persons with different beliefs than yours. Please help us to create a world where every man, woman, and child is treated equally. Dear parents, please don't teach us words of hate. We learn from you every moment. If you use certain words which might be hurtful to others, we will repeat that word. Please don't show us acts of hate. If you act against people of different faiths, we will repeat your actions. Dear parents, we are your children. And we are relying on you to help us create a world where every person is tolerant of one another. Inside this little Burbank building, this is the first museum in the world dedicated to martial arts. It, it really reflects on 
the style and the, the philosophy of each and every different culture. White eyebrow kung fu, monkey kung fu, the animal styles, Shaolin. Talking about the ninja here. Japan had the samurai. Here we go into our Korean section. In fact, every corner of Asia and the Pacific has its own martial art. It'll be an absolute shame if one day you ask a kid and he doesn't know who Bruce Lee is. From the history of the Japanese samurai to the artistry of anime, Enjoy a look into Asian culture by visiting the Martial Arts History Museum in Burbank. Hi, this is Frank Duke. This is T. Joe Douglas Wong. Hi, this is Kumu Lua, Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show. The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world. Do you have an idea for a guest? or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk radio show? If you do, you can email your suggestions and ideas to dynamicdojoradiohost at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. All righty, and we are back. This is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Ristita and Robert. Our phone number here is 347-677-0699. Feel free to give us a call if you'd like to join the conversation about difficult lessons that we've learned in martial arts. We want to hear from you. Um, however, if you don't want to call us, you can also go to our chat board on the Blog Talk Radio Show Marquee. Just scroll down a little bit down from the marquee and you'll see a chat board. You can uh, sign in with Facebook or sign in with the Blog Talk Radio uh, account if you have one. And if you don't want to deal with that and you just want to reply on the marquee that we, the marquee link that we have on um, our Dynamic Dojo Facebook page or on my personal Facebook page, you can just put your questions and stories and stuff down there. However, you know what? Bing is overrated. Just give us a call. <laughs> 347 <laughs> You know, because like you, 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 the, the one thing that I don't like about Facebook Live, okay, I love the fact, though, that you can go live and people see you in real time. But <clears throat> when you have to type in comments, a lot of times the live person it has gone completely past what you guys are talking about. So that's the, you know, that's the uh, only thing I hate. All right. So our discussion subject today is difficult lessons learned in martial arts. And so far, we have three masters joining us on the line today. We have, I'm going to bring up the mic here, we have Professor Patrick McDaniel of the Noble Way Kajikembo System. How, how are you doing, Professor Patrick? I'm all right. How's everybody doing on that side of the United States? We are doing awesome over here on the left coast. <laughs> and we, we also have Sensei Wayne Riley. How are you doing, hey, Sensei hey, Wayne? Hey. How's everybody doing? We're doing awesome. And last but certainly not least, we have Shifu Clark Tang. How are you, Master Clark? I'm doing well, thank you. There, it's awesome. Uh, been a lovely day today. Been I with, heard uh, Master Robert Dell, and now he's on the radio. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he's everywhere. Yeah, you know, he he gave me a video call earlier, so that way I can wish a happy birthday to Lady Lelaine and and David also, and everybody. I'm like, holy crap! See, and this is one of the reasons why I think I should just move down to L.A. You know, <laughs> so that way I can just see you guys more often. You guys are always doing something cool. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just right. here up in Seattle throwing fish at people, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, all right. So today's discussion is about um, difficult or lessons that you know have been a little can, that can be a little bit difficult, or the hardest lessons learned or that we are learning in martial arts. And since we've got three masters here that have also have walked the path and have probably gone through these types of hard lessons and also probably teaching others about these types of lessons. We want to hear from our masters first and for anyone else that wants to join us, give us a call 347-677-0699. So I'm just going to spin the wheel here, and then we're going to start with uh, hearing from one of our masters. Ding, 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 and it landed on Wayne. Oh. <laughs> I know. Ding, ding, ding. So Sensei Wayne, what is one of uh, the hardest lessons that you've learned in the martial arts so far? Humility, for sure. Humility. Oh, nice one. Tell us about it. Well, you know, when the martial arts, sometimes you get, after a while, sometimes some people get, get egos, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and I'm one. I'm one for saying I have. Uh, and the kids, the kids in my classes are just, they're just awesome. They just, they just, they teach you how to be humble. I mean, kids are just awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. But they've definitely humbled me in a way that uh, I have, I, I've lost all those. I've lost all those egos. I don't need them anymore. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Awesome. Um, before we move on to let's go to Clark and then um and then uh Professor Patrick will be next. I wanna try and see who's on the line now. It's a Skype call. I'm guessing it's a Skype call because it just says area code one one one. One 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 one. So let's go ahead and take it. Okay. Caller, we have you Hello? on the line. Who's this? Hello, who's this? Uh, hi Senpai. I'm sorry, I uh called from a different line on Google. So yeah, it comes up weird. Oh, okay. So you're calling from Google voice. Okay. All right. This is one of my students, John, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, label your line there, John. Okay. Thanks for joining us, John. All right. Let's move to master Clark Tang. What, uh, what would you like to talk about in regards to hardest lessons learned in the martial arts? Sure. Uh, Greetings, everyone. Um, Hello. I just want to say, <laughs> my goodness, you know, um, martial art, we have such a good community, a community that will really, like, keep in touch with each other and keep things alive. And that's a cool part, especially um, the dynamic radio shows. I mean, that keep us, um, you know, like something to look forward to every week, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact. Yay! Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to thank you for you guys doing up there, doing a great job, and you know, I'm pretty sure you really enjoy doing this. Otherwise, be still, be still here. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. 
Okay, today, what is the most difficult lesson or something that learned in the martial arts? Or um, martial arts, kung fu, to me, is all about life itself. Now, a lot of people do not know. They learn Wing Chun, and then all of a sudden, they say, oh, there's a rule of conduct. Oh, there is. Or some people, oh. believe it or not, they do not even know there's a rule of conduct. Oh. And a lot of people make mistake in that. It was Grand Master Yipman rule of conduct. It is not Grand Master Yipman rule of conduct. It is his ancestral. So in other words, came from back to the Shaolin and then come the non, you know, um, so came. So he, he didn't say it was not for me. A lot of people put it down. Uh, Yip Man rule of conduct, which is that is incorrect. But the most important, there are rules, there are number nine, and there are the process of learning mm-hmm. of the journey. The most important or the most difficult, the first, that's why Grandmaster Yip Man uh, Ancestral put it first. It mm-hmm. says remain disciplined. Mm-hmm. Now, discipline, you know, that is very hard. It is. Imagine Hardest if thing. every one of us have a discipline. Whatever you want to do, whatever you set a goal to, you will achieve it if you mm-hmm. have a discipline. Right. And let me expand a little bit what is discipline. Oh, well, I have discipline. A lot of people, oh, yeah, martial art about all about discipline. Now, discipline, it's go beyond that. Discipline, it means you have to do things very consistent. For example. That's tough. Like, mm-hmm. very tough. Um, I mean, the goal is 100%. Do it over and over. For example, every day. Let's see. I remember when I practice. Um, I get up early in the morning, 4.30 and 5 o'clock. First thing to do is do my solemn pout every day. Mm-hmm. Now, um, am I going to do that every single Oh, You know, sometimes <clears throat> we're sick and all that. But also, we have to put it every single day. Someday I'm tired. I don't even want to do it. I don't even care, but remain disciplined. It doesn't matter how you feel, how you think, you have to perform your duty. So mm-hmm. that's why the first one was remain disciplined. And that's the hardest part in martial art. If everybody have discipline, everything out, it just follows through. Mm-hmm. That's that's the key, so. is, is the following through, because, you know, I was uh, I was taught that our monkey minds will always try to make an excuse for not, you know, you know, for not being disciplined or whatever, you know, uh, our monkey right. minds will always try to make things easier or give us an excuse to be lazy or give us an excuse to avoid this or not do that and, and stuff like that. So yeah, that, that, that's, that, that can be very tough for sure. Wouldn't you guys agree? Professor oh, Patrick? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, discipline, oh, definitely. That's a, that's a, I, that, isn't I, it funny though? Isn't it funny though that, that, the, or ironic, I should say, not funny, haha, but isn't it ironic that you come to martial arts, <laughs> you come to right. martial arts to learn discipline, yet, definitely. you know, you need My to God. kind of have it to learn it. Right. <laughs> you know? If I may, I add a little bit more, like, uh, for example, yeah. discipline. According to my first Sifu, Wing Chun Sifu, which I learned so much from him, um, uh-huh. uh, one of these days I'm going to get him on, a, like, a 
um, Master Michelle's uh, interview, something like that, five minutes. He's getting old. He's weak right now. But mm-hmm. discipline, now, a lot of people say, okay, well, the first step is monkey see, monkey do. You got to do every day. Um, you know, discipline every day. You do the same time. You do it over and over. However, right. there's other side part of the discipline also, which is the mind. The right. mind, we have a lot of questions. We have a lot of um, – because our mind is uh, very spontaneous. We want we, – it's like a sponge. Yeah. Once you learn something, you want to learn everything. Oh, right, but right. People have to understand. There's That's why a process I feel, uh, of learning. That, um, Go ahead. Just wanted to add in real quick, Sifu, uh-huh. that I feel it's very yeah. important to par meditation with any martial yeah. art so you can develop that discipline. Because I, I was right. going to uh, mention discipline as well. That's For me, that's been one of the hardest things in martial arts and just daily life. I mean, you right. know, because <laughs> you can right. all be lazy. And sometimes I feel like I've been lazier than anybody. But I, I strive to keep my, my place <laughs> clean and to do my martial arts every day, you know, but... It's not always realistic. Like, for example, what if, uh, I, I mean, it's, it is because, like, if you go camping, for example, and you're with people that don't practice, right. well, it's important to go off on your own and practice, right? So right. Um, that's something I struggled with in the past because everybody that I was hanging around, like Everett, it was surprising. Uh, Senpai knows Everett, and he, 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 he practiced different martial arts than me. So when I was mm-hmm. practicing Wushu in front of him, it was kind of foreign, you know, so mm-hmm. um, he never, you know, and anybody, everybody else that was watching me practice look at me like I was spectating. And to me, that's when I, I learned intently when I was younger, I, I don't like doing martial arts around people who are not doing martial arts because <laughs> mm-hmm. they don't have right. the discipline and the respect for what I'm doing as an art. So, right. Well, uh, yeah, that's what about, on that. Yeah, but uh, let me go ahead and reiterate on that too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if they don't, if they don't learn about, you know, why you have a passion for it or whatever, then of course they're not going to respect it. So yeah. you know, why not take it as a as a as a opportunity to educate those friends that kind of look at you and go, "Wow, oh, what's going on?" Because I tell you what, you know, I mean, the the the, the crowd of people that uh, that Everett used to hang out with with the with the fencing crowd, mm-hmm. I hung out with them too, and we used to go out to um, these gatherings that were kind of like SCA gatherings, right? And we'd spend a weekend <laughs> out in the out, you know, tented up and you know, drumming until the crack of dawn and stuff like that, and doing all that <laughs> kind of business. Um, but then. I'd wake up in the morning and the first thing that I'd want to do is find where they put the coffee and then go do Tai Chi or Qigong somewhere. Right. Cause you know, where we were, where we were camping a lot of times was, you know, out in, uh, out in the Palouse somewhere out in Idaho, beautiful, beautiful place. And when the sun comes up, it's incredible. It's just incredible. So, you know, I made it a habit every time I went out there to wake up when the sun was coming up and do Qigong when the sun was coming up and then people would start to wake up and now keep in mind, everyone's been drinking all night. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, everyone would wake up and then come out of their tents going, rah, 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 rah. and <laughs> they see just this lone figure out in the distance doing Tai Chi Chen or Qigong or, you know, standing meditation facing the sun. <laughs> and I know that they were going, what the hell is she doing out there? doing this fancy dance out there and stuff. 
you know, um, and I would come back to camp and get more coffee and stuff like that. And people would be like, well, we saw you doing your little dance out there. And that's kind of when I said, okay, you know what, this is the time I need to educate these people and say, okay, well, you know, I'm not out there dancing. This is what I do. This is, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and since then the following gatherings, they respected it because they knew that it's, that it was part of my passion, that it was a martial art, as much of a martial art as the sword play that they were doing out in the field, right? And uh, they would go, oh, okay. So, you know, my, my, my just take on that, John, is to just use that time to tell them about your passion and let them know, hey, this is what I do. This is what I, this, this is what I live for. While you were saying all that, I, uh, real quick, I just wanted to know, like, what is all of your opinions on practicing in public? Like, for example, I had one Sifu, who he had he just got done in 20 years. Was he, he called him Master Mock? And I believe I talked to you about. Yeah, yeah Mock Hinfai, yeah. Yes, sir. Professor. Yeah, and uh, what was that? Did the professor want to speak? I thought so. But okay, okay, go ahead, John. Well, so this guy Malio, I trained with him exclusively in Hiei Park. Like that is where we trained. Right. And uh, got, one time when we were training, this guy came down with his girlfriend, this like Russian dude, and he was like, "I've been watching you do your fancy moves, and I want to practice. I know better moves." And Malio was just <laughs> That's like, "That's pretty good." Well, you know, I've got Siberian blood, so it only makes sense. But so I asked him, I'm like, Sifu, what do we do about this guy that's just sitting here watching us and trying to antagonize you? And he was like, just ignore him. Uh-huh. And eventually, you know, he did leave after talking a bunch of stuff. I thought he was going to come over and attack Sifu. And, uh, you know, it made me realize at that point, like, after that point, actually, we didn't practice it here too much. We started going to Golden Gate Park and other spots. But I really loved Hiei Park because of the feng shui in the bricks and the mm-hmm. feeling of doing horse dance and other, you know, gong fu things. And uh, it just made me think, though, you know, is it – because sometimes they do National Tai Chi Day, you know, and there's a bunch of people doing right. Tai Chi yeah. there. So it's like, do you feel that perhaps if, do you need to practice in a large group or is it okay to just go and practice with you and your, your friend, if you know, you're just teaching them some basic stuff or whatever, but like my whole point about it, you can draw negativity, negative attention uh sometimes. Right. Okay. So the question to, to our masters is how do they feel about practicing in public or is that the question? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, like, do you feel like it's more beneficial to practice in public with a group of people, or is it okay to just practice by yourself and with with a friend in class, or you know, whatever? Okay, all right. So let's uh, let's go ahead and answer that, masters. Why don't we start with Professor Patrick? I I, I grew up practicing in in public. That was the Kaji Kimball way. We yes, have a dojo, but whatever <laughs> you wherever you uh, you gather. Every Saturday or Sunday, there was a clinic somewhere in one corner of town, you know, and there were two or three dojos we could have used. But when we met up for a clinic, you know, let's go to the park on the south side. Let's go to the park on the east side or the north side. Let's go to the elementary school that has that big front yard. You know, we grew up practicing outside, so I have no, you know, no, no feelings uh, either or about, about practicing in public. 
We did demonstrations in malls. You know, it was always doing something in public. That's how we got most of our students. Uh, mm-hmm. Hmm. Right on. It's pretty interesting. Uh, pretty cool. Yeah, Sensei Wayne, what do you, what's uh, what's your take on that? I like practicing in public. It gives you a chance to uh, to expand and, and and you know get new students, get people familiar with what you're doing. Um, exactly. You know, people have so many questions about the martial arts, you know, but really a lot of people are just afraid to come out and ask. Mm-hmm. But, right. Uh, you know, you practice out in public, it gives you a chance to uh, let them see. You know what's going on, what you're doing, you know, and and open yourself up for questions. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes, it sounds like the you know the Sifu I had, we had a a big falling out or whatever because of his ego. It was really weird, and like um, I just think after listening to all of you that I was just hanging out with the wrong person and and like drawing the wrong energy because like we we're all saying you practice out in public and nothing ever happens, so it's more like. If you're hanging with, you know, people in the same consciousness and positive vibration level, you're going to draw the type of spectators that you seafoods are speaking of. So uh, thanks for helping me kind of figure that one out. Right. Well, let's let's hear from Sifu Clark. Sifu Clark, what do you feel about, oh. you know, should he pra- should he continue practicing in public with a group? Should he practice by himself? Um, what do you think about practicing out in public? Well, uh to me, and um, well, the Chinese art, we always uh, believe that um, we would, should never practice in the public unless mm-hmm. there, the place is not available because right. Kung, Kung Fu is personal and Kung yeah. Fu is, except Tai Chi, okay, Tai Chi for Chi right. and that yeah. is different. I mean, that is public, like health and people get together. It's, it's mm-hmm. fine. And I don't know about other systems. I've seen it a lot. I mean, the question is, depend on what you're doing. If you try to promote the school and all that, I mean, that would be mm-hmm. different. Yeah. But the reality is, if you practice, just a sake for the practice, mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, we practice. I mean, believe it or not, a lot of my friends, they know me from childhood until now. They didn't even know that I, I do Kung Fu until I open up the school. Because all mm-hmm. I have to go, what? I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a lot of them. <laughs> because to me, that is personal. It's almost like religion. Like, um, yeah. I only, oh, I only open up to if they talk about martial art or team interest. And again, I don't really open up the whole thing. I open up a little bit at a time because I believe the art that I practice is very sacred to me. And. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes a lot of people just turn around, make make fun of, uh, you know, the kung fu and all that. To me, I think that mm-hmm. personal. I think you know, it's very, you know, it's sort of like disrespectful to the whole generation of our ancestors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's the so, situation that I ran into with Master Mop student. It's like he was this Russian guy was completely disrespecting what we were doing, and right. that's why I I have to really agree with Sifu Clark that it is sacred it's an art so it's like if you're painting a picture you're not going to go out in downtown seattle and without the canvas necessarily i mean unless you have a specific goal like tai chi and you know what i'm saying so it's like right i um yeah i i completely feel like cecil clark i don't really agree with practicing in public unless it's a demonstration yeah right unless you have like a, a certain culture you want to promote and 
everybody should come and do it public. But to me, as a personal, believe me or not, when I practice martial arts, this is how I see things. And I take very serious because I don't have to practice a long, long time. But the result, I get so much more because I have to create an environment where I, where I invite a spirit in. Now, mm-hmm. I, am, I own this body, the mind and the spirit. The mind and the spirit, you don't know. But when I do it, I do it with my mind. And then I grounded my body to the ground, all mm-hmm. the way to the center, the core center of the earth. And my head is all the way to the heaven. So when I practice, so you have to have a good environment where the only you. So where, where you practice the public, it's very hard to have in that mental stage. That's mm-hmm. my take on there. Mm-hmm. What about you, Bob? Cool. What's your thoughts on practicing in public? Oh, you, you know what? You're talking to an old backyard student. We oh, that's, yeah, part, that's why I'm asking you. Yeah. I, that's the thing. We always practice in public, whether it was Thank was you. Wing Chun, John Fan, JKD, <laughs> Kali, Eskrima. We always were in the public's eye. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, so what, we were practicing in public. So well, well, how would how would your group handle it if people came by and they're all like, "Oh, what's this kung fu crap and stuff like that?" Ignore, them, ignore them, and that only happened one time she ever. Did right. Really? What did you do, Sifu Bob? Ignored them, and they went away. They were only yeah. twenty kids. Yeah, you know that. Uh, the, some of the, you know, most times the the people will come by and go, "Oh, da da blah blah." Okay, they'll 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 speak up for one of two reasons. Either one, they do think that they're all that and they have better moves, kind of like the Russian dude, right? Or they're <laughs> genuinely in, or they're genuinely interested and intrigued, right. but they don't want to make themselves look like they're interested or intrigued. It's some it's it's just some weird, you know, and it's all it, I it, I I've yet to meet is it some male thing? Where they do that, where it they is. Just, you know, pretend is. that they don't yeah. want to learn because they <laughs> don't need it, that kind of thing. Uh, I found that it's mainly yeah. men. Now it's the same I'm thing. Gonna, happens, um, I've met okay. one. Well, I said mainly. Notice I said mainly. I'm not saying that there hasn't and, been and, women, and there's but always it's mainly an exception men. to the rule. Yeah. Yeah. There's always, always an exception. exception to the rule, but mainly we we do. Men suffer from a machismo syndrome, you know, and that's yeah. that's, that's a fact. You know, but yeah, there's yeah. always an exception. You know, we we shouldn't have to explain to grown people a master of that. Well, wait a minute, I don't, I don't want to do. Yeah, we know that. You know, but yeah. generally speaking, men have a problem with that. They do. I know because I'm one. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me, I agree. Really a man. Yeah. If it is a woman, now, then uh, what's going on in her world? You know, obviously she's trying to reach out. I feel like that is how it would be. Like, there's some issues going on in her world, you know, that makes her bullying other people or whatever, if it's martial arts or it's this or that. Right. Well, I mean, it, it, could, it, it, could be, it could be, you know, touted as bullying, you know, or issues with the guys, too. So it just kind of depends on, some, yeah. on other people's mindset. It all boils down to ignorance because, you know, even in Tai Chi, right? And I've, I don't know how many places I've been practicing Tai Chi in large groups. There's always going to be two types of people or three, three types of people. Number one, you, you can get like a small crowd that are just watching, thinking it's really cool, but they're not going to say anything to you. Or two, 
you have the people that will be, you know, patient and wait till you're done and ask you about it and go, hey, you know, where do I take lessons or, you know, what is it that you're doing or what have you? Or B or or C, you'll have the people that'll go, oh, that's bullshit, you know, that's not going to help you relieve stress and blah blah blah. Basically, the people that need Tai Chi are the ones that are bullying us, <laughs> you know. So, you know, and it, it all boils down to ignorance for those people, the ones that are, you know, saying, oh, that's bullshit. It won't work in the street and blah, blah, blah. You know, and you just you just got to ignore it because, you know, stupid is as stupid does. It makes no sense to argue with those kind of people because that's what they're looking for. You know, now, speaking of which, this, this is kind of a segue into, you know, into getting back into where we were going, and that's, you know, the hardest lessons learned in martial arts. I mean, you know, you're learning a lesson right now, John. You know, you're trying to figure out, Hi. you know, what's my what's my personal way of practice? Should I practice on my own? Should I practice with a person? Should I find a private place? Should I do it out in public in a park or wherever? Well, you know, it's it's a good lesson to learn. The reason I ask is because I'm going back to South Seattle, uh, I don't know, in winter or whatever, and it's like... So that's, uh, a, that's a college, everyone. South Seattle Community College. Right. It's a college. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to remember, we have people from all over the world listening. Okay, go ahead. And uh, the Chinese Garden, um, I feel, is one of the most awesome places in Seattle. And I have practiced in the, when they first opened the uh, Pagodia or whatever, mm-hmm. I went in there and I did some Gong Fu. And there wasn't anybody around. But the mm-hmm. reason that I brought this up is because, it's like, now that it's been open for a while, there's obviously going to be people always coming in and through. But when I was at school... You know, it's kind of a stressful environment for me because people, there's just, there's just people in my age range that are from all different walks of life and consciousness. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's intense. And especially with the, the classes, that, the class I have to take, it's like a spiritual yoga class. So I need somewhere to just kind of like unwind from being around everybody, like right after class. And that's why I was always go to the Chinese gardens after class. And uh, there's even a, you know, I catch the bus right next to it. So it's like, mm-hmm. When I, I'm not going to be taking the bus anymore, but like when I go there, that was my point. It's like, I want to practice there still, right? but I know people will be watching and I'll be the only one doing it. So I feel kind of like, it's not for, for me, what Sifu Clark was talking about, I'm kind of, I'm kind of paranoid. Like, you know, it's like, I don't want anybody to see my techniques that may eventually use them against me in a sort of sense it's like right. I've always been kind of very careful not to practice outdoors because of that but I don't feel like I'd really run into that problem at South Seattle Community College so no you won't not you see not not at the <laughs> not at the Chinese garden and you know I mean it, it, it's good to be protective of your technique but remember if it, if you're afraid of people to see your technique and could possibly you know use a, a counter technique to it think about it they would have to train as much and as long as you did in order to do that is that the kind of of environment that is i mean that sounds like a movie from you know feudal japan i mean is that the kind of environment it is really is it is it that kind of you know those those kind of people around you know my my master wants to see you and you know yeah yeah yeah. wow (laughs) i I mean really I thought the same thing. I mean, you know, it, it like the, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure all the masters here will have more advice for you, John. Uh, I'm just saying that, you know, hmm. um, 
it's it's good to be proud of your technique. Um, however, you know, I the uh, I guess one of the underlying things, lessons, I guess, that you could look at this as, John, is um, just that that um, that the dislike of being in public and doing what you love. I know how distracting it can be. I know that, oh, what if somebody watches me? What are, what are people thinking? You know, um, are they going to think my technique is crap? Yeah, do they really care? I don't care. You know, I've been there. I've done that. And, um, and that's, that's another hard lesson to, to, to learn is how to just follow your heart and do what you want to do. And pardon my French, screw everyone else. If they like it, they'll like it, and they'll ask you about it. If they don't, they're going to say something. And it's like that everywhere. It's like that in politics. It's like that in martial arts. It's like that, you know, in school. You know, it's a matter of how do you react to it. That's the, and, that's the key. And, and John, John, if you, yeah. if you feel uncomfortable practicing in a certain place, that's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong with feeling uncomfortable. You've got your reasons. You know, we've got this spirit running through our body. You know what I mean? And we yes, have yes, to pay attention to that. If you feel uncomfortable in a, in a certain area, then, you know, change it. You know, move, go somewhere else. You know, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with feeling uncomfortable with where you train. I have trained in certain places where I felt totally liberated. Then I have been in places where I didn't think I should do it. I didn't quite understand why. But if I didn't feel like I should do it, then I went somewhere else. You know what I mean? So, no, there's nothing wrong with that, mm-hmm. man. nothing wrong with Just make a change, wow. you know. Well, here's mm-hmm. here's a good example real quickly of uh, one thing I think we all do as martial art practitioners. Uh, if I know Sifu Clark and Senpai uh, do Qigong, and it's like with your Tai Chi, with your Tai Chi Gong, it's um, like if something traumatic happens to you, if there's a car accident in front of you or whatever, you got robbed or something, it's like doing the Tai Chi right after that moment is I've, I've always found the, you know, the only thing that really calms me down other than straight up getting in Lotus pose. Right. But yeah, I feel like, uh, I, Tai Chi in public is one of the most acceptable things to do in the, in the Western culture. Cause it's been, you know, it's been around for a long time now since Chinese people came. So. Uh, yeah. Most people don't mess with Tai Chi people mainly because, you know, there's, there's, you know, that stereotype that goes around it, that it's mainly done for health and that it's mainly for older people and that it's, it's a great form of exercise. So most people don't, don't mess with it because it's moving slow and it's not obvious that you're practicing martial arts. Now it would be one other thing because, you know, like I said, I'm friends with a lot of uh, historical fencers here in Seattle. A lot of times in the summer, they practice in um, at Green Lake. They practice right there. Um, on the green on the green belt right next to the lake because that's you know their their studio is right is right next to it and there's always people stopping by and going oh you know I can take you on and are you those you know fake SCA people and this and that and the other and you know nine times out of ten they either ignore or if the maestro of the school chooses to he will educate people and show you know, and actually give them a foil and say, okay, try to stab me. And then, boop, he stabs them. You know, it's not about strength. It's about technique. It's not about, you know, how fast you are. It's about your footwork placement and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes people will come back to his cell, to his school, and seek out more instruction after, yeah, you know, they were right. educated. 
you know. Um, but it again, you know, the lesson to take from it is how do you react to it? Do you go, oh, well, fuck you for disrespecting my art, right? Or do you say, okay, I see where I, I see why you feel that way, right? Because at one point or another, we've all done that. We've all, you know, dissed on something, you know. And then when we get in, when we get informed, and you know, and yeah, I mean, so it's it's that's why I'm saying, you know, I can't say that I will agree with. Oh, say fuck you to everyone that you know disrespects you because I've done it too, at one point in my life. You know, that's why I've learned to okay, be a little patient with people and educate them, um, and and it allows me to get over my fear of what other people think too. I don't go out as much as any of you. And really, I only go to Senpai's Dojo and what we have up here called the PCC. It's an organic supermarket. I don't really go anywhere than that. And I, the PCC is in one of the richest cities in Washington, Issaquah. So I don't yeah. really deal with what I'm about to talk about anymore. But when I was younger and I would get on the bus from Renton and go through Skyway <laughs> and go to downtown, it's like, man, there'd be some people, African-American, you know, strictly, that you, you do not even look at them. And if you look at them, they're like, oh, you, N-word, you got a problem with me. What you looking at? What you mugging at? Yeah, what you looking at? Yeah, you mugging me? Yeah, you mugging me? Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I specifically knew that because I grew up in the hood or whatever. So I never had a problem, but I saw people have problems with it. And I didn't get, inter- you know, I didn't get intervened on the bus. The bus driver dealt with it. But it's like, what, what's the deal with that? How do you how do you have compassion for that? Like, I guess you just you would do what I would do and ignore it. But if it gets to the point where you're in a situation there isn't a bus driver and you have to help somebody, because like I've probably said this on the show before, I study I have always been interested in studying martial arts, not just protect myself but others. You know, so yeah, like uh, how do you combat that kind of mentality completely? Like. Because, I, I don't know, I had to go through MLK today, <laughs> and I'm just sitting at the stoplight, and I'm looking at everybody around, you know, I'm just like, hmm, I'm not really used to going through the hood anymore. So it's like, I'm at a different consciousness level now where, you know, no nobody in the hood is going to have a discrepancy with me, I don't think. But it's mm-hmm. like, well, well, you know, what if what would you all do in that situation where you just you're sitting at a stoplight you look over and suddenly you looked at somebody just for a second and oh they're banging on your car now like i hear about stories like that happening in la that sounds it sounds like a question that comes from someone who has never studied martial arts before in their life and they're watching you practice martial arts they may be watching your class or you're doing something outside and they have this preconception of what martial arts is and what it should be because they've watched tv and Chuck Norris would always intervene, and Steven Seagal would always intervene. These guys would always jump in and, and save the damsel in distress. Well, <laughs> in real life, it's not like that. The circumstances dictates the means. You know, so to ask us, how do we handle that situation? No. The question is, if it came down to the point where you, could, you had to do something, could you do it? That's the question. You know, so I, mm-hmm. if I'm on a bus, and, you know, I'm a black man that lives in the South, so I go through the same thing you're talking about in reverse. You understand? <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. yes, sir. Yes, sir. All yes, right? Sir. So uh, if the situation occurs and you reach that point where you have to do something, that's what you train for. But I'm not going right. to sit back and tell you this is how I'm going to intervene if somebody is this and that or whatever. Just when it happens, you'll know what to do. That's what, that's what your spirit is for, you know? Right. Yeah, but my whole right, right, point right. around the question is 
was I don't want to intervene or have me personally I don't want to deal with that that violent consciousness you know like it just right well and, and like I I, met, I wasn't even talking about being more shorts, Professor. Uh, I just meant, like, if you're walking around or whatever. And it, 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 it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, you know. It doesn't matter. If you approach with the situation, you handle it the way you have to handle it, if you approach with it. But I can't answer it now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure anybody can just really answer it because yeah. we have to really look at that situation if it happens exactly. to us, if we happen to be there. I mean, that's my exactly. experience, you know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And how, and and John, how do we look at this as a lesson learned in your martial arts? Because you know, I really, I kind of like to get this back on topic. <laughs> okay. Um, Good how, how how do we how do we look at this as a lesson? Well, you know, um, I think Professor had really uh, given you a good clue, and that's yes. the ability to 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 build the ability on how to take each situation as it happens, because there is no black and white answer to anything. Like, right. for example, the other day, you know, and it's always little kids that ask stuff like this, right? You know, there's always, there's always, you know, kids that'll go, well, what if they attack you this way? Or what right, if, right, what if right. that, what if that, right? And my Eskrima teacher had the perfect answer every time there was somebody that said, well, what if I came like this? Or what if I had this? Or what if I had a knife? Right. He would say, well, he would interrupt <laughs> them. He would interrupt them and say, well, what if bullfrogs had machine guns? And everyone would stop. <laughs> and, <laughs> and people, everyone would stop. And then he'd, and after, yeah, and after a silence, he'd say, you know, you, you know what would happen if bullfrogs had machine guns? The snakes would be pretty fucking scared. <laughs> and then people would start laughing, right? But his point is, wow, that's a silly question. Same with right. what if bullfrogs had machine guns. It's right. a silly question. Why it's 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 so random to ask, what if I had a knife? It's 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 random because you know, the technique that you're working on at that moment is probably someone trying to take your head off with a with a baseball bat. It's not a knife mm-hmm. yet. You know, let's get to that later. Why are you jumping ahead? You know, that kind of thing. So, you know, our minds are meant to work by going forward. This is, this is why, you know, uh, I'm telling you this, John, because you're the type of guy that will always think ahead. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're thinking that's what we do. We have to like plan ahead because martial arts is like playing Mm. chess. Right. However, (laughs) you know, in the only difference though, between chess, and martial arts is that martial arts moves faster, <laughs> right? You know, definitely, definitely, definitely. And you don't have pieces just hanging out, staying in one place, so you can plan. You have to take each situation as it comes in the moment. You oh, know, so zen, <laughs> zen, yes. basically, right? And and because that's what zen is. Zen is. Now it's not what I think is going to happen in ten minutes, or what I think is going to happen because that guy's going to—I think that guy's going to come and go. What you mugging at me, son? You know, mm-hmm. not what happened yesterday, and how I'm going to—you know—it's about doing it now. So you know, that's your lesson. I think that's right now the hardest lesson that you're learning. So yeah. you know, yeah. So I think you know you're learning. 
also, and I'm, I'm glad we're actually talking about this because, see, it's stuff like this that I want our listeners to call in and tell us about. You know, it's not just the, oh, you know, I'm having trouble with a roundhouse kick, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. You know, we mm. want to hear about these kind of like personal things because, you know, martial arts teaches you a lot about yourself. So let's, uh, with that said, I, we haven't heard from Professor Patrick yet as far as some of the lessons he's learned throughout the many years he's been in the martial arts. So well, let's hear from know, there, Professor Patrick. There are a lot of lessons, you know, for, for us, uh, us old schoolers who've been, who've been studying over, over 40 years. But mm-hmm. I think the most profound lesson for me, the one that just really stands out, is uh, when I was a, a young boy, I, I started out in West Texas, and I think I've told you guys this before, you know, a couple of years ago when, we, when you first had me on. But uh, I moved to California. Coming out of West mm-hmm. Texas, I moved to California. And the upbringing of children were different on the West Coast. Well, I was in Los Angeles, okay? I'm just I'm not going to mm-hmm. lay it on the West Coast, but I was in Los Angeles. And the upbringing of children were different. They were they were a lot bolder, you know. They they uh, they were they were a bit more rude, you know. They were disrespectful, and you know, mm-hmm. not everybody. I'm not trying to make a, a you know a blanket statement, but the area I lived in, you know what I mean. And mm-hmm. uh, I was uh, I was I was scared. I didn't know how to handle kids like that, man. I was, you know, I did everything I could to just play and and try to keep everybody happy because those kids were crazy, in my opinion, you know? Mm-hmm. So they kind of freaked me out. I ended up going back to West Texas and still kind of had this big fear thing. There were a couple of other things that happened personally in my life that just had me freaked out and scared of everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've always wanted to learn karate. I told you that story. And when, when Kaji Kimbo came to me and I started studying Kaji Kimbo, my second instructor was Paul Jackson. And Paul Jackson mm-hmm. moved off the Air Force Base. He was an airman, moved off the Air Force Base, and he moved into town. And he lived right down the street from me, okay? Sorry, on a we, we practiced every day. We practiced every day, seven days a week, because I was there. You know, mm-hmm. we'd go to class, and when class was over, we'd practice more. And he, uh, he asked me a question about a guy, a guy from the neighborhood because he had, mm-hmm. had some kind of small encounter. And when he asked me about this mm-hmm. guy, I had to tell him, oh, man, that guy belongs to a family of crazy dudes, and they've got a reputation of just, you know, all jumping you? on somebody and beating the blue out of them, you know. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think he, I think he got a, you know, a sense that, uh, you know, I was afraid of these guys. Well, you know, most people in the community were afraid of those guys. They were crazy. You know, they mm-hmm. shoot up places and bust people in their head with pipes. Wow. You know, they had a reputation, right? <laughs> going on. So, uh, so uh, he picked the night and came by my house and knocked on my bedroom window, all right? Uh, that wasn't a real surprise. He would call me out to, to teach me a kata sometimes at 10, 11 o'clock at night during the summer. So uh, I looked at my bedroom window, and he said, uh, hey, man, uh, let, me, let me borrow those nunchucks you have. I had a pair of nunchucks, huh. you know, that I ordered from Asian World back in the day. You know, right. you ordered it takes like two months for it to get to you. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I reached, my, reached for my nunchucks, and I was giving, to, giving him my nunchucks, and, and I was like, okay, you just want to go out and practice? And he said, uh, no, I'm 
going over to this cafe because I had a run-in with one of those guys you was talking about. So, anyway, I'll get him back to you. And he took off. Now, hmm. I'm, I'm 16 years old. I'm 16 years old, and I'm sitting in my bedroom. And this cat is not from Texas. He's from Louisiana. He's just there because he was, he was an airman. You know, mm-hmm. he's in my neighborhood. Uh-huh. I knew these guys. Yeah. I knew their reputations. He's going over to the cafe. I just gave him a weapon, you know, and I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting there. And mm-hmm. uh, finally, I put on my coat, and I ran over to the cafe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm <busted laughs> through the door. And he was sitting there in a chair in the opposite corner of the door, uh-huh. And he looked at me and said, uh, I just wanted to see if you would come. Oh, wow. And to me, I'm back. And I went, yeah. went home and realized that I conquered one of my fears. Because wow. I was a scaredy cat as a boy. I was freaked out. But I figured I was practicing this system for something. And if he needed help, I wanted to be able to help. Mm-hmm. Wow. So. Wow. That's a cool story. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That's cool. Oh my gosh, Bob, what about you, <laughs> That's man? Very, that's very cool. Well, you know the old adage. You, you know my old story about you never kick somebody in the head until they're on the ground, right? Yeah. You heard me say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's only because I couldn't get my big ass off the ground. I never could do aerial. Ah. I never could do turning crescent kicks very well. So that was when I say I couldn't, I don't kick anybody in the head until they're on the ground because I couldn't do it, and it was the most frustrating thing in my life. In my life. Well, I guess that's I was out for honesty. That's honest. That's honest. Well, see, what, what, what came of that? That, that, that meant that you learned to beat them to the ground so you could kick them in the head. So, you know, that's, that's right. <laughs> that's a lesson. Oh, my gosh. Now, in, in my case, when I was a kid, and you guys are going to laugh at this, um, but I was a, I was a, I, I used to be full of piss and vinegar when I was a kid. I, I was, I, I got, I was pretty pissy when, when I was a kid. I was, um, and how, I, uh, and that changed how? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. All right, all right. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, well, back then I, I showed it a lot more. Uh, well, I, I guess that didn't change either. But no. <laughs> yeah. but, um, okay. Let, let me, I got a story. Wait a minute. I, I always know how to get Rusty good. So she's teaching a Chai Chi clinic two weeks ago. A chai Somebody and Chai Chi clinic. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Chai Chi. Chai Chi. It doesn't matter. It's so good for you. So this this lady looks at me and says. And I'm sitting right across from Rusty. He says, do you, do you study Tai Chi? And I said, no, I, I study something useful. Rusty looks at me. Who wakes me up? <laughs> See, <laughs> that, would be, that would be like me looking at you and if the situation was reversed. Right? That would, yeah, that would be like me going, oh, oh, that, all that standing in one place. 
type of stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah no, I, I'm over. You know, see, you know, it's been me like saying something like that because you know, yeah, and he knows how to push that button because he knows that the way I teach Tai Chi, it's a martial art. Don't ever look at it as anything less. And it's like, and he just, he just like, oh man. He, yeah, he got me that time. I was like, oh, you asshole. <laughs> but, anyway. I, I okay, was, go ahead. I was, I was, I, I was, well, when I mean I was an angry kid, I got, uh, I was angry especially. Um, you can hit me anywhere for sparring, but you hit me in the face, and all of a sudden I think you did it purposely. And I used to get yeah. really mad. Uh, I mean, like, like seething mad. Like, I would see white mad. Yeah, that kind of mad, right? Way. I would get mad if people hit me in the face, and then I would return fire pretty hard. You know, like, it, you know, kind of like, oh, you want to play like that? Boom! It's like that, right? And that lasted up, in, that lasted up until, like, my mid-20s. That late. Um, you know, that, that sense of, like, you know, hit me in the face, will ya? Type of thing. I had that a lot and, more outside of martial arts than inside at the dojo, but it happened to me in the dojo, and especially in Kung Fu, it hit me so hard in the face, and I felt that for an instant, but I was like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not about to beat this little kid, <laughs> you know? Right, right, yeah. And it, it, it was just a weird thing because it's, you know, it's in my head, and, 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 and it took hours and hours and hours of, of believe it or not Tai Chi practice for me to realize it but it all boiled down to my uh, my aversion to people pretty much just putting up their hand and walking away you know like for example you know like if I were to say something important or if I'm trying to make a point and then they just kind of put their hand up and laugh and walk away you know it's kind of like Ah, you know that's 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 an aversion that I have, um, and uh, and it because it, because it's kind of like a form of disrespect, right? And back when I was like in my teens and in my early twenties, I hated it when people did that. Absolutely hated it. So you know, if you hit me in the face and just back up, that's like saying, you know, ha ha ha, and walking away. And I think that's why. I used to get so mad, and it took the hours and hours and hours of Tai Chi and, and the hours of push hands with people to realize it, because I was working with somebody one time doing push hands, and um, I realized that I was um, always putting myself off balance, literally, I mean, people would put a hand on me, and I'm with you, know, and I put myself off balance, and the lesson that I learned from that was, number one, if you resist, you're gonna get you're gonna get taken off balance. They're gonna they're gonna climb you like a rock and take advantage of that. Um, right. And yeah, and that that particular lesson really hit home because you know because of that aversion to you know to me thinking that people would just put up their hand and go yeah 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 whatever little girl and walk away kind of disrespect. You know it wasn't that they did it. It was that I was expecting it. And if it happened, I had a good, uh, I had a good excuse to get angry. So you know, that kind of expecting, you know, people to to kind of dismiss me if I had something important to say. That was my resistance. 
and it kept taking me off balance, hence the anger, right? So, you know, ever since I realized that, and I learned to just kind of like relax, you know, like, like in push hands, you just got to relax and root, root into the ground, you know, just relax and take each moment in a push hands match as it comes. Don't make any plans. Don't, you know, think too far ahead. Just take it as it, take it as it comes. And that was, that was the hardest for me to learn. The hardest. You know, I mean, now if people hit me in the face, I have to kind of take a look at it and go, now, did you hit me because you're just out of control? And if it's something like that, like a student who's out of control, I have the patience for that. I can go, okay, you know, you need to lighten up a little bit because you're all out of control. Okay. Um, if it's someone who's angry, if, if, if it's someone who's angry and, you know, accidentally or otherwise hits me in the face or whatever, it's still out of control. You know? And it's a matter of me. How do I react to that? You know, do I root or do I push back? Um, you know, and I've, you know, and do I still get pissy? Yeah, just ask Bob, you know. But oh, I'm yeah. Not at the point oh, yeah, I can yeah. do it. Yeah, just ask Bob. <laughs> but I'm at the point now where I'm not going to rip your head off. You know, I mean, there's been times back then where I literally wanted to kick people's heads off their shoulders, you know. <laughs> And, you know, that seething kind of anger that eats you up even long after that ma- that sparring match is over. And that's no, that's no way to, like, go, you know, go into a tournament. You're going to get hit. You know, what am I going to do, be pissed off a whole tournament? That's not going to, you know, that's not going to help anything, you know. And I've lost a lot of matches and tournaments because of that. So, you know, that was a tough lesson, you know, for, for me to Are learn. you telling us so, you were DQ'd? I was de- I was DQ'd only twice. <laughs> I was DQ'd twice. I I kicked the gal in the head one time. Sent her flying across the ring and into the judges' table oh. and stuff. So I got DQ'd. Oh. And then the sec the second time it was not long after I started learning Kajikambo, I completely went into protection mode, not sparring mode. And I need oh. the gal square in the head. Pow! Oh my goodness. So they just kind of put me on my knee. They're like, take a knee. I'm like, yes, sir. I'm disqualified. I'm out of here. I'm gone. You know? And uh, so those were the only times I got disqualified. But in my head, a lot of times, if I got pissed, I would envision, you know, how I would, how I would, you know, take on this anger, how I would get my revenge, so to speak. And it was, it was ugly. It was very ugly, and I don't ever, ever want to feel that kind of anger again. Um, but, you know, it was, it was tough. It was a tough lesson to learn. Um, you know, I'd like to think that I think a little bit more before I open my mouth to say something, right. because back then, back then I was very, um, I was very harsh. You know, I would start getting <laughs> personal with people, you know, if they would make me angry. You know, and um, and it was just ugly. I, I'd, you know, I'd say hurtful things and stuff like that. And um, it was just my temper, my my inability to to control my reaction to emotions. And that, uh, that's my just, question: if, Yes, if you were practicing martial arts, were they not helping with your anger? Because ever since I started training with you, mm-hmm. uh, gosh, I just. I can't. I just. I can't get mad about things really anymore. Like even the deforestation up the road, I'm just like, 
progressive consciousness will fix this someday. You know, it's just like, right. I'm, not, yeah. I'm not finding myself getting angry. But I do feel like if I saw somebody hit my mom or an old lady right. or a homeless person, yeah, then I'm going to get that angry, that, yeah. that anger well, that you're talking about. Yeah. That, that, that's, that, that's, that's kind of different, though, because now it's like, now it's uh, personal. My anger was more like on the, like, vengeable side, vengeful side you know? And um, no, that's a good question that John asks, okay? <clears throat> What's that, John? Is it the competition aspect of what's happening? You you feel like you felt like uh, you know you just, you weren't winning, so you're so mad or like what was it? No, it wasn't that at all. Because you know whether or not I won or lose, you know at, at the time. And remember, I was like you know fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, you know into the mid yeah, my so mid twenties, right? So yeah, yeah inexperience. And you know I got my black belt when I was fifteen. I was still a teenager. You know, teenager oh. with teenager angst, right? <laughs> and teenager, you know, the world is going to end kind of problems like a teenager has, right? And um, and then in my mid-20s, that was, you know, that was the, what I call my, my young and dumb clubbing days and stuff like that, yeah. where, where it was just, you know, where you're still young and dumb, you know? Now you've got a little bit of experience, but you don't know what the hell to do with it. And that's exactly but what not. happens everyone. Oh, go ahead. But I have some advice, Rusty. If if anybody ever sees Rusty like that, you this is like break glass type stuff. You head to the nearest Starbucks, get her some coffee, <laughs> and, and stroke her hair. There's <laughs> <laughs> a PCC right up the street from the Dojo, Bob. And, and, it, and dark and chocolate. And dark chocolate. Coffee and dark <laughs> chocolate. you got to throw it from a distance. According to Pete. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, with, with her? If you get dark chocolate, it's like feeding a seal. And what percentage <laughs> of dark chocolate is that? Is that like 80%, 90%? Uh, if, I, if anyone can get 80, I'm good. <laughs> right. The PCC's got 85, 90. I cannot even stomach it. It's so intense. Oh, I <laughs> love it. I absolutely love it. See, that's the thing. I love the intensity of it. It kind of like, it kind of, uh, it kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It kind of balances things out. I like the intensity of it. But now you know, here's I'm, the thing, uh, though. I only, Bob, Bob's, Bob's exaggerating. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> He's seen me in the morning. Don't talk to me, you know. Um, <laughs> but, no, honest, uh, but getting back to the seriousness of the, of, of the lesson, you know, it, it you know, all that taught me that 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 time playing push hands with uh, with my buddy Joshua, it it taught me a lot about why Tai Chi concepts work, why martial arts concepts work, right? You know, um, and, and it's all about just how you react on any given time, how you how you root physically, uh, but you have to you have to apply that to your mind. Right? How do you react to something with your, you know, in your thinking? How do you re, and how do you root? How do you ground yourself in your mind to be able to think and go, is this worth being angry about? You know, right. is this worth my energy to be angry about? Mm. So she kicked me in the head. I'm still walking. You know, I mean, mm. I can look right. back at it now. I can uh, look back well, I get at mad it now about and people say, littering. Like really mad. Like I'm driving and I see someone just throw garbage out the window. I just get so pissed. 
Like, well, yeah, that's you know, something I've been mean, working on, but <laughs> yeah, and you know, and you know, even that kind of anger—that's something that you, you know, that's something that I, you know, had to, that I had to learn to deal with. You know, I mean, there are things that are going to make you annoyed. That's number one. The the lesson learned in my case was that, you know, do I let it affect me personally, right? Because okay, so I mean, I don't want to make light of littering so to speak, but we're going to use this as an example, right? Someone throws like a McDonald's bag out their window. Okay. If anything, someone should get pissed off that they're throwing that much McDonald's out the window. But, um, but is it affecting me? You know, no, I mean, it's affecting them. They had to eat it. And then they had, you know, they have to deal with their messy mindset that, that, that made them think it was okay to go, and throw it out the window. They have to live with themselves being that person. You know, is it affecting me? No. You know, if I could stop the car and pick it up and put it in my car and throw it away somewhere else, you bet I would pick it up. But is it affecting me, you know, that they're being an asshole? No, it's not. And, it, you know, and it, it's taken that long for me to learn that, you know. I think I was like around in my mid thirties before I even understood that I, you know, had choice to be angry or not. And that was the best lesson I'd learned in martial arts and the hardest one to learn because we're human, right? You know, we feel mm-hmm. anger, you know, we feel that. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Exactly. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, you know? And, uh, and, and I want, to... I just want oh, to know if we got to hear, we didn't get to hear Siku Clark. Uh, and his difficult uh, martial arts story. Did we? Yes, yes, we did. Oh, I was yeah, away from the computer for that. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, right. you call, you called in after it. Yeah, it was a, no, a right, discipline, and it's right true. After it. Yeah, and uh, so so far, you know, we're looking at the throughout all of us. You know, we're dealing with, you know, ego. We're dealing with anger. We're dealing with, you know, frustration. We're dealing with discipline. You know, uh, these are these are, you know, life lessons that are hard to to uh, to swallow sometimes because, like I said a little bit earlier at the beginning of the show, it's a lot easier to point and judge other people than it is to look at ourselves. And exactly. uh, you know, a lot of times people will take martial arts and and look at it as mainly a, a, a self improvement activity for their bodies. Right, the old schoolers. You know, we when we were coming up, John, us, uh, us old schoolers, we were we were taught the full boat. It wasn't just you know, you know, roll around on the ground or you know, knock someone out. We we had to learn the philosophy. We had to learn the discipline. We had to, you know, like I told you about earlier, John. We had to sit in those horse dances for hours on end. Hours. <laughs> no, no complaining. No whining, you know. You had to build your mind for it, and oh. <laughs> um, and yeah, and it's and it's tough because we we live in a we live in a in a era right now where everything is like cash and carry. Get it now. You pay and you get it, and this and that, and you know everything. Every you know, every, everybody wants something now. Yeah, exactly. Instant gratification, and back then, you know. 
it didn't take like a year to get a black belt. It took like seven or four or however many, you know, you know, I don't know how long it took, you know, you guys, how long did it take you guys, by the way, to get your black belt? Sensei Wayne, five years. That's, 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 that's pretty average. Yeah. Five years going every day. Yeah. And professor. Yeah, it was four and a half years, and I was a seven-day-a-week student. Mm-hmm. Dang. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I was a, I was a every day or except weekends, and it uh, took me about three and a half, three and a half, four. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, and it's but that's you know, but that's like every freaking day, um, you know, right. with your teacher and trying to, you know, and and working with that that right. mindset of of you know not not only improving your body but improving your mind as well. Um, nowadays, you know, you know, we as martial arts instructors are trying to teach those lessons. Now let's talk a little bit. Uh, we've got about 10 minutes. Let's talk a little bit about uh, teaching these life Can lessons. Can I <laughs> add one last thing, Senpai? Sure. That I, sure. I wanted to just share with all of you that the most difficult martial art lesson for me, other than training with Senpai, <laughs> Is, uh, have been, uh, <laughs> You're making me sound like I'm a hard ass here, buddy. <laughs> well, like, oh, I, I made the joke I of her today. Well, <laughs> I made the joke yeah. of her today. At least you're not like Jaime from Kill Bill 2 because oh, <laughs> I wasn't doing it right. It is, you know, so it's like I, mean, I don't get whipped by her, thankfully. Yeah, and so I anyways, said, oh, I've got a stick if you want it. <laughs> <laughs> if you really so, want a stick, I can go there. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, when I was a child, when I was seven years old, I got to train with a master Lin Tai. I don't know if any of you know him, but I've been looking for him. I haven't been able to find him since he moved to Georgia. But like mm. his Vietnamese martial arts, it was super hardcore because I was giving him private lessons. Oh, and he was so did he do Kung I don't, I don't know. I was seven years old. Oh, okay. So Probably all I know Kung is that it was a Vietnamese system and it was really brutal because yeah every day that I would go to train with him um it was like every other day you know and he would always start me out if I remember correctly with the split and I mm-hmm. still remember the pain to this day and it's similar to the <laughs> pain in, in Aido um like he would put my legs have me put my legs up against the wall and slowly every day push me forward yeah and honestly yeah, like that for me, up until training with you, outside of that, like all the Kung Fu that I've done hasn't necessarily been as painful, even when sparring, as, you know, the splits and then holding these stances with the bow. Yeah. Well, believe me, I, so, believe me, I know how painful the getting into the splits can be, believe me. My Wushu instructor was brutal. <laughs> she was yeah, brutal. Yeah, so I just want to share that. Super hardcore. Anyway, so yeah, so you know these these all are a lot of great life lessons that we personally had gone through. Let's talk a little bit about teaching these life lessons. Has have any of our masters on the panel? Um, have you guys ever wondered about? Gosh, how could I how could I teach this differently to your to your kid to your young ones or to your students um, about some of these types of life lessons like discipline. I mean, how do you guys? Because it's 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 such a it's such an you know how do you teach discipline? How do you teach you know the mindset of go forth? How do you you know how do you teach that? It's it's so weird. So uh, let's no, hear from the our. The biggest thing is, Rossi, is is 
the adaption to today's society because all of us that have been 40 years plus sure did right. learn discipline a lot different than they can do sure now. Sure did. That's true. How many times did you get whacked, Professor? Uh, ask that again, please. How many times did you get whacked by a helper stick or a shenai oh. or something <laughs> else? Well, yeah, you know, I'm I'm Captain Kimball. It was a side kick and a wheel kick oh. and a, a rear jam. Yeah. Right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yep, been there. <laughs> Hit the concrete, you better get your ass back up. That's, That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's solid bamboo or just like a Shanae, like strands of bamboo hitting you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, back back then it was, you know, it was so, you know, the 70s and the 80s were so different, you know, sure. the, as far as far as the mindset of martial arts. It was so different. You You didn't, there was no, you know, thought about, oh, you're abusing me. I'm going to sue your school. There was none of that. When you got into martial arts, there was this unwritten rule that you were going to do your damnedest to do your damnedest. That was the, that was the, that was the unwritten rule. And every, there was no whining and, you know, you got a teeth knock, you got teeth knocked out. Well, you know, we'll see you the next, we'll see you when you get back from the dentist. It was, (laughs) and there was no, it was no harm, no foul because it was learning back then. However, however, you know, that's not to say that, you know, teachers were abusive it was all in how you took the the That's the, right. the learning, right? Now today exactly. it's different. You know, it's a completely different generation. Even with the older people, it's a completely different mindset. You know, I've been to some schools that will coddle to everybody's want and need. That's why you know you've got like, you know, places that uh, people call McDojos. Oh, you want Tai Chi? We got it. You know, you want Taekwondo, we got it. You want Muay Thai, we got it. You want BJJ, we got like it. They got like a menu that's like, you know, three pages long. Yeah, and and, you know, and how, much, how much is the black belt? Yeah, you know, <laughs> right. how much is the black belt? You know, you know, what do you, what, 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 the, I, I heard it somewhere, you know, if you can earn it, we will reward it. That's the, uh, you know, there, there are some schools that are like that. Not so in you know, a lot of these arts, you know, like, um, the last black belt that, uh, that came up under me, he was with me for 15 years, mm-hmm. 15 years before he got, he got his black belt. And it wasn't because he was stupid or anything like that. Just life got in the way and he'd be gone right, right. for, you know, a few that months and come lot. back and he'd be gone for like six months and come back and this and that and the other. And, you know, and he just kept coming back because he had that, that mindset of just keep going, you know, don't get pissed off because you're not getting to your goal. I want my black belt now type of thing, now, you know. Now, Rossi, we only have six minutes left. I would really like to hear from the other two members. I'd like to hear from Wayne about their training. And, yeah. uh, of course, Sifu Clark because Wayne is one of the senior members of our group. Mm-hmm. And Clark is is the I hate to say this, Clark, but you're the infant <laughs> of our group. I didn't want to put it that way. Thank you. But you are. Uh, in years end, okay. but you've, you've had a lot of years of practice. How was your training like, Wayne, and how did you adapt it as a, a teacher? I'm saying it was hard. My instructor was, was very hard-nosed. Um, you did knuckle push-ups. 
you stood in stances for just minutes upon minutes upon minutes upon minutes. Um, he wasn't he wasn't one that that carried a like a Shania around to to whack you or do cup checks or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> if if he thought that you weren't stretching hard enough, he would come and help you stretch. And and with him helping you stretch, you were you were definitely in pain when you got done. Oh yeah. <laughs> How about you, Stephen Clark? How is your training in comparison to what it is now? Uh, well, my training. Um, I studied a long, long time ago. Um, with different teachers and um, um, it was a hard core. I see people mm-hmm. right now. They're uh, very different. Due to the fact that um, they're more prone to, like, oh, um, I don't want to get, I really want to get my black belt or my black sash, but yet um, take it easy on me, like, not a hardcore. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So people now, is uh, the mindset is different, and um, you cannot hit them a little bit harder. They will be a, a crying baby. But when I train, yeah. I, we condition all the time. Condition is really hardcore, and we do it over and over. And um, because my mm-hmm. my other Sifu, Sifu Jeremy, Jerry McKenley, who trained uh, Nicholas Cage, um, he was a hardcore. He all about conditioning. He said, um, you know, it doesn't matter. Your Kung Fu, your martial art is good, but your weapon is soft or weak. Uh it doesn't do any good. So in other words, if somebody hits you and you get hurt, if you're not able to take the pain, how is that going to be, you know? So he's all about right. conditioning. We got hit all the time, you know, that. Um, so <laughs> It's interesting that you brought that up, Sifu. I just wanted to add quickly because it reminded me of the legend that uh, Fong Si Yuk's mother would mm-hmm. beat him. And beat oh, yeah. Him and, and, pull, and then put him in the bath of detox salad she made. I was, I was like, that's, I, I kind of jealous of that, you know, because it's like, man, what a mom. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Well, we have three minutes left to our broadcast. So with that, with all that said, wow, you know, those are some hard lessons. And I'm really glad that all of us on our panel uh, got to talk a little bit about that. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, uh a conversation like this can go on forever because <laughs> there is yeah. so much to learn. There is so much to learn. And, um, you know, and also um, may I add Master Ru- uh, Rusty? Well, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Um, you know, being trained, um, being trained and then now becoming like um, to train others. Mm-hmm. I believe everybody come from different walks of um, everybody wants martial arts in a different way. Right. Not everybody right. has a hardcore as of right now. Yeah. So, so right now, as, as you know, Wing Chun is more like a personality art. You know, people, mm-hmm. people can get a benefit either, um, you know, from being, you know, applied to everything, uh, every aspect of their life. Right. Yeah. And I think, mm-hmm. I think learning, showing them their way mm-hmm. of their in other words, uh, you heard of uh, Master Bruce Lee said, 
a teacher never point out the truth, but also, you know, never give out the truth, but pointer as a pointer. So right. in other words, do not make it easy for them, but make them question. I remember my first Sifu, he never give out answer. If he asked a certain way, he asked us back. And just like, man, why, why don't you just give me an answer? Right. So <laughs> I found out later on that uh-huh. we learn how to think. Right. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you so much. Oh, uh, Professor Patrick dropped off. Thank you so much, Master Clark and Sensei Wayne and uh, John. Thank you. We'll, we'll see everyone next time right here on Dynamic thank No you. Joke Talk Radio. Bye-bye Perfect. now. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.